Bandwidth for Changelog is provided by Fastly. Learn more at Fastly.com. Error monitoring is provided by Rollbar. Check them out at Rollbar.com. And we're hosted on Linode servers. Head to Linode.com changelog. This episode of the React Podcast is brought to you by reacttraining.com. In-person, hands-on training for development teams from React community leaders and experts. Visit reacttraining.com to learn more about our upcoming workshops. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the React Podcast. I am your host, Michael Jackson, and I am joined today by a very special guest, Mr. Henry Shu. Hello. How's it going, Henry? Pretty good. So Henry is the current maintainer of Babel.js. He's also working now just recently on Babel.js full time. So I wanted to first of all just say congratulations. That's super awesome. Thank you. Thank you. I mean, I know a ton of the people listening to the podcast are probably thinking like, what? How 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 do you how do you do open source full time? You know? I mean, that's not a very common thing. That's a super rare thing. Mm-hmm. And you and I actually had many conversations about it, it seems like, before uh, before you actually made the leap about like, oh, should I do this or should I not? Or am I going to make the leap? And then you eventually eventually did it. So that was cool. So I, be- before we dived into that, I just wanted to say congratulations. And, and how's it going so far? Um, I think uh, overall, I, I feel pretty good about it, for sure. Um, yeah, there's definitely lots of unknowns and things I have to work out, whether it's just like personally or logistically, all that stuff. But I'm definitely excited for what's in store. Yeah, I think a lot of people in the community are excited to see you you going for it. It looks like you've got about $3,000 raised on, on Patreon or Patreon. I'm not sure how they pronounce it, which is awesome. So hopefully that just keeps continuing to go. If you haven't contributed to Henry's Patreon yet, please become a patron. He is doing, I guarantee if you're listening to this podcast, you've used his work. Guarantee, 100%. No chance you have not benefited from this man's work. All right. So anyway, we got, we got, we got into the pitch a little bit quickly. Why don't, why don't you back up a little bit and, and just tell us kind of, you know, a little bit more about who you are. You, you don't just work on Babel where, you know, you live mm-hmm. in, you live in New York city. Tell us a little bit about kind of, you know, about your backstory and maybe a little bit about how you came to Babel and, and some of your past work experience. Yeah. Um, I think I've shared a few times, but I'm sure most people don't know. Um, I actually remember giving a talk um, at a conference and telling people I didn't work at Facebook. And someone, I think someone after was like, Hey, do you work at Facebook? I was like, I said that I, in the talk. I didn't. Yeah, I, I have to do the same thing. People are like, Oh yeah. You know, when you and you're sitting around with your coworkers at Facebook, I'm like, I don't work at Facebook. Yeah. So yeah, I'm actually originally from Georgia, like Atlanta area. Um, and I was basically just, you know, after college, I was working there and I, one of my coworkers was um, this guy, Jonathan Neal, um, and he kind of inspired me to get into open source in the first place. I think just like a lot of people, I, I knew about it. You know, I've, I've went to like GitHub before and I've, the way I use open source was like, you know, uploading like, like one commit of like all your previous projects and you don't ever like look at it ever again. Um, but then I was like, oh, there's this, it feels like there's this, you know, community and people are working on things. It'd be cool to contribute to something. And I actually got started by looking at Angular uh, when it was first coming out. And 
it, it was really hard to like look into the issues. And what I did was I found an issue that had to do with styling, like code style. Okay. And so I basically manually fixed a bunch of stuff. Um, and I, that's how I found about a project called JSCS, um, which was a code styling project. Um, and I basically ended up making like, I don't know, like 30 commits and changing like thousands of lines of code manually. And I even got like a t-shirt from um, one of the Angular team members that like, gave me a t-shirt. So now on, on basically all of the Angular source code, the git blame says Henry. Um, I don't think it's everywhere, but like this is Angular one too. Uh, but I'm like, definitely wow, a lot of code. Yeah. In here. Wow, I know I felt weird. I'm like, why am I like number thirty on the list? And I didn't, didn't do anything. Um, so basically, that was all I did in Angular, and I realized like I didn't know enough to contribute to that. And I, the project I was using to uh, find out all the issues was JSCS, and I through that project I basically got more involved because I realized it was. It seemed pretty easy to contribute to. There's like a file for each rule, a file for each test, and a file for each doc. And just it made sense like um, in terms of like the organization. And I didn't have to know about the core. And so mm-hmm. I, you know, I made a table of contents as my first PR and I, you know, fixed some bugs. Eventually I did more, you know, docs work and then I, I started integrating like you know, we started thinking more about auto fixing. That that's why I was so into like linters because I didn't want to make the changes myself. Mm-hmm. Um, I was like, oh, what if we could do it automatically? And that mm-hmm. led me to finally find out about Babel in the first place. Like I didn't even know it existed. I don't think I knew about it before it was changed to Babel. Yeah. So so this is super interesting so far because uh, I think what you've said up to this point is not obvious to a lot of people, which is that hey. Even if you don't know a lot about the sort of meat of a project or what the project is for, there's still a lot, a lot of work to do. There's, you know, all sorts of issues about documentation. In your case, you know, you're helping out with a consistent styling across the code base. There's evangelism. I remember when I first started talking to uh, Sean Larkin, um, he wasn't, you know, one of the core Webpack developers. He was, he was just stepping in because Webpack needed uh, needed somebody like yeah. needed a Sean Larkin basically to step in there and say, okay, you know, let's redo the website. Let's redo some of these docs. Let's, you know, talk about this and have somebody who can answer questions. And, and I remember whenever I said anything about, you know, Webpack online, it was like, <laughs> Sean would just show up, right? He just pops out of nowhere. Like, let me help. Let me answer your Webpack question. So, so anyway, lots, lots more that you can do for open source. Just, just if you're listening and you're like, oh man, these guys work on open source and I don't know right. how to do open. You don't have to know anything about React or Angular or whatever it is to actually start making real contributions. Yeah. I think um, a lot of people, they like want to be a maintainer or they want to be a contributor, but mm-hmm. they try to like emulate what other people are doing. And I think it's our job as a maintainer not to like tell you what to do, but really like guides you to figure out what you're good at and what you like. And I think what Sean did was he was already, you know, good at talking with people and he found a place where he could, like Twitter, which is to answer people's questions. And I think everyone can figure out what that is for each individual person. Like whether it is revamping the docs, like if you find something wrong or could be better, then you could suggest that and you can start working on it. And it's something that people don't, Maybe they don't care about it as much or they have different priorities. And I think you you could be the best person to work on it. Yeah, I think that's a, I think that's a great, uh, I guess that's a great way to put it. So, yeah. so you were working on, you know, you said you were working on 
JSCS, which eventually you said you you said that was the that kind of led you to Babel. That was the first time you heard about Babel, right? Um, and specifically, uh, Sebastian made like after he made Babel, he he started thinking about well, you know, once we start introducing syntax, it, this is like an overall thing where like just because we added a new syntax, how does that affect the ecosystem? This is something I've been thinking a lot about. But mm-hmm. in this specific case, when you add new syntax, it has to change other tools too. And so one of the tools that gets affected by this is linting. And so if we start using ES6, all of the um, linters didn't support ES6 at the time. And we still called it like ESNext. And so mm-hmm. he made this project called Babel-ESLint. And that's when I found about ESLint. And I started contributing to that, even though I was working on JSCS, which in some sense, it was like a competitor in a sense. But mm-hmm. um, I thought it was important to, because um, I, I thought it was relevant that we needed to um, have a linter that supported ES6. And I made my own fork of it basically um, called Babel JSCS. And I became a maintainer on that, it, it, not intentionally. Like I, I did think it was super complicated at first, but you know, I was consistent in like looking at the code base and no one else was doing it. Um, eventually, Sebastian even made an issue like, I need a maintainer because I'm trying to work on Babel Core and I basically volunteered to, to do it. Um, I got really involved and became a maintainer, started releasing things. On Babel, on Babel ESLint or on yeah. Babel JS? Yeah, okay. Yeah, both, both actually. Okay. Um, and so I do like simultaneous like changes for both. And eventually I, um, I learned about ESX, all that. Um, I became more of a maintainer on the JSCS side. And, and that's actually how I even got my job at Behance where I was working, where I was working just until like two weeks ago. Um, so I kind of got into Behance through open source. And I kind of like left to do open source, you know, again, right? So I think it was fitting that that's the reason why I left. Um, and, and then when I moved there, yeah, so basically, Joel, he, he was working at Behance at the time. He emailed me and he just reached out. And he's like, hey, we know that you're doing good work because two of those people, Joel and Mike, they both work at Behance and they, they were contrib- maintainers on the project. So they're like, hey, let's, um, let's see if we can hire Henry. And at the time, you know, I was in Georgia. I didn't really think about moving or going anywhere. But, you know, I, I took the interview and I decided to, to go. So you never thought you'd end up in, in the heart of New York City. Yeah, that was literally the last place I was thinking of going. <laughs> that, I had no idea. Yeah. It's awesome though. How do you how do you like living in New York? Um, yeah, now I, I really like it. Um I think it's fitting for me because I don't like driving that much anyway. Yeah. Um and so it's probably one of the few places where it's like I could just walk anywhere or, or take the subway if I, I have mean, to. Just today, yeah. just today, you had lunch with Ken Wheeler. Yeah. Jed Watson, I'm uh, forgetting. Uh, Kurt. Kurt, yeah, that's right. And uh, yeah. and and you guys, I mean, just just because New York is this huge melting pot, you know. I mean, I mean, wasn't the first time I met you in New York? Didn't we go to? Uh, was it even, the Shake Shack, or I'm not sure. I can't even remember. But yeah, I mean, that that's actually a really good point. Last time you and I went out to dinner, it was me, mm-hmm. you, and then uh, mm-hmm. who showed up? Chuck. Um, yeah. And, yeah. uh, and, and, oh, and, uh, oh, golly, <laughs> why is my brain failing me? Natter. <laughs> Natter, Natter, yeah. Natter Nabbit was there. And it was just like, people are just always there, right? Like, right. wherever you go, 
it's, it's people are always flying through New York, always even, you know, people from all around the world. Mm -hmm. So that, it's really cool as, you know, as the, as the, you know, just kind of a melting pot of people and you always get yeah. to see lots of different people from all over. Yeah. Especially, um, just New York specifically. I, I just feel like there's so many JavaScript people here. Oh, for sure. Um, like John Rezig and just like all these people. It's no, like, for sure. I'm going to be there this week. Um, doing, doing a react training workshop. Hey, um, speaking of, of New York, do they ever hold TC 39 meetings in New York? Cause you're, you participate in TC 39 as well, right? Um, do they hold meetings in New York? Yes. And, uh, the first one I went to was because it was in New York and I just like walked over. Okay. Um, it was at Google. Um, so right now they're planning on doing two a year on the East coast. And I think they're both in New York. So the one in May, uh, with the next one is going to be in New York. The one, there's one this week, like tomorrow, um, it's in London. Okay. Um, and yeah, and I've been to two of them, mm -hmm. um, in person as a guest. Um, but now that I don't work at a company, I think it should be easier to yeah. go logistically. But, uh, in terms of like funding, I, that's another way to like someone to support me or not just me, obviously, but like anyone on the battle team, it's like, Mm -hmm. Um, if people were like confused, like, oh, what are you spending the money on? Well, obviously for me, I want to spend it to just live, mm -hmm. but people could, I mean, we could make a GitHub issue that's just like, Hey, do you want to sponsor a battle team member to go to TC39? You could pay for the hotel and the flight or something like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That'd be a great way to sponsor. So tell me a little bit about, tell me a little bit about TC39. What's it like to go there and, and what role does Babel play in the whole kind of ecosystem, I guess, future of JavaScript at this point? Because it seems like, golly, it seems like in, in such a short time, it's taken up such a huge sort of role. Would you agree? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Definitely like more recently mm -hmm. um, rather than before. Yeah. I mean, I've only been to a few meetings, so I might not be the best person to talk to in terms of like his historical well, things. I've been, to, uh, I've been to zero meetings, yeah. so you've been to more than I have. Yeah, it's 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 actually pretty cool. Um, I mean, if you want to be, in some sense, it's just a group of people that get in a room and they argue about like JavaScript and syntax. But um, what it really is is like um, companies that uh, it doesn't have to be a company; it could be a nonprofit um, that they they choose um, members to send mm -hmm. um, to the committee, and it's uh, it's also um, every two months, mm -hmm. um, and one of the companies hosts it. And, um, they have like a schedule of what they're, it's a very like formal and so there's a, there's a schedule. You can go to this repo called TC39 slash agendas. And it has every month, like what they're going to talk about. There's like, um, they even have like a kind of like a timer system where like they have to, um, like there's like 15 minutes for this topic or 16 minutes for this topic. Um, what happens and there's when the like timer a, runs out? Are they just, yeah, is, there so, like a, is there like a big gong and they just bang it and you have to? No. Um, so the, someone, wait, we have tools for that now too. There's like yeah. a whole like web app that tells you like what the time, how many times left. Someone has to check that. Oh. And there's a chair that like tries to manage everything. Did they build it in um, React? I, I don't know. Maybe. They built Maybe. It. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot. Um, so what role, uh, what role does Babel play in the in the whole TC39 like conversations like you said recently it, it's taken a much bigger role what did you mean by that I mean maybe it was always there but like I I mean I didn't know about it or like it, it kind of felt like to me was like we were like 
we're part of the conversation, but we weren't really being represented on the conversation. Mm-hmm. Like nobody on the team was like going. So like, I, I mean, there are plenty of people that are there that care about Babel or like think it's important, mm-hmm. but I don't really know what it was like until I, you know, started going or I asked other people to, to go. That must have been a very awkward time to be involved in TC39 because so much of the community, like so much of what they do is driven by, you know, what, what people are shipping, right? What people are, what people are already doing. They look at big companies in the industry. And so, you know, all of the companies there pretty much, I'd imagine were, were taking advantage of Babel in some way or or leveraging it, you know, especially Facebook obviously adopted it maybe like two years ago, I want to say. So everybody there is using it and yet nobody from the Babel team was there. And so that, that, that was probably kind of an awkward time where they were like, we should probably get somebody from the Babel team in here just to, right. you know, just to represent. Yeah. And it's not like nobody went, like I know Sebastian was, I at least went one or two times. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously if Facebook people are there, then, you know, and Sebastian works at Facebook, then there's communication there. But I don't know if there was like anything specifically like, oh, this thing has to change or we're thinking about how, you know, transpilers work or yeah. whatever. Um, and, and recently TypeScript has also, um, like Microsoft obviously sends people. And so TypeScript team, some of them are able to go as well. Got it. Um, but I think it's just that, uh, you know, we, we, have, we get to be more aware of what's going on and, and other people um, um, just, yeah, I think just having that conversation just changes how people think that, you know, if they're no, if you just to be there, not that I even have that much to say about like how a certain specific proposal should be. Uh, and maybe I just don't feel confident myself, but that that's his, that's his own that's his own thing. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, I you know I think if anybody there gives you trouble, you just <laughs> you just tell me about it, and I'll I'll have a talk with them. They they don't know me or or care about who I am, but I'll give them an earful. Be like Henry's my no, I, Henry's I, my friend. <laughs> you let him talk. <laughs> no, I mean, I think everyone that I've met has been really um, friendly and um, got it, got it, really uh, welcoming. I, I think um, it kind of like you know how recently all this you know stuff that's happened with TC39 oh, and the whole, so, like so, flight and stuff, right? Well, are we gonna um, are we gonna talk about Smooshgate? Are we gonna do that? Um, we don't have to talk about it in specifically. We I just I can just talk about it in general. I mean, like, <laughs> uh, let's do it. I let's, don't really care. Let's talk about it, dude. Let's talk about it because people want to know. What 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 happened? Were you there when when the when the smoosh? No, no, no. Okay. I didn't even. Yeah, I didn't hear about it until a lot later. Okay. It's funny because someone was like, "Oh, just just ask Henry how he would handle it." And I'm like, I don't. Know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know. I, I guess I I just wanted to say that like I think there's this there's a huge gap between like what developers think of TC9 and like how they work and there's. I know they're trying really hard to, you know, sh- uh, shorten that and to there's I think there's efforts into like how do we open um how the process works more. I mean there's a GitHub and all that stuff and there's like all these resources everywhere but like how do we mm-hmm. you know make that better um and finding people to do that. Um mm-hmm. and then also also like in recently inviting more kinds of uh people. So mm-hmm. uh and this is something they've been working on for a while and it's like it used to be all maybe it was mostly language designers, like people that think about mm-hmm. languages a lot. Mm-hmm. And then they started adding implementers. So that's like the people that work on like V8 and like all the browsers. Mm-hmm. And then then they started adding what they call practitioners, or which are just developers like us. 
um, which who are coding in JavaScript uh, every day. And then you know now it's like, oh, what if we ask like people that teach programming mm-hmm. or like just different kinds of people and seeing getting their input and. And when people complain, it's kind of like they only think about their specific use case or how they use JavaScript. Yeah. And JavaScript is a is a big is a language that's affected, you know, the whole world and in all these different ways. Whether it's like websites or apps or IoT and all that. Mm-hmm. And it's like we, I think the community wants to have this to be open to think about like how it's used in all in all these cases. And maybe that's like where the conflict is because the people think that this thing isn't as important and this thing is mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. And it's hard. And it's funny because that reminds me of open source, right? It's like, except in a language. And I think... Oh my that, gosh, how many times do people show up on your your GitHub repo and they're like, this doesn't work for my specific thing, right? And you're like, think about right. the broader picture here, right? Is that what you mean? Exactly. Yeah. Um, where they kind of like, you've been, maybe you've been like talking about this thing for like years and then this someone just shows up out of nowhere. And it's not like... Their opinion doesn't matter. It's just that you have no context into yep. what they were saying, and yep. you you kind of need to know like yep. what the previous stuff is, and, and maybe they need to do a better job of doing that too. Mm-hmm. And that's just hard. Like it's just really hard to show history because it's a lot of that's in the moment. For sure. Well, right? well, in terms of in terms of tightening the feedback loop, I think you talked a little bit about you know the sort of perception problem um, that that they that they may or may not have. But in terms of tightening the feedback loop. Um, I think Babel has actually done more for that yeah. for me personally as a developer, as a JavaScript, you know, practitioner than, uh, than almost anything. I remember, you know, first learning about the different stages of proposals in TC39. Right. Like I did, I had no, I, I mean, I assumed, I guess that there was some sort of a, a stage or a process that, uh, mm-hmm. you know, that an RFC might go through, but I didn't really know exactly what it was until I started using Babel and they're like, Hey, you know, there's a stage zero preset. There's a stage one preset. There's a stage two preset. And this is what the different stages are. Um, so, you know, the, these are the, uh, the different, uh, you know, features that you can use in each stage. And that really helps, helps me like from a, from an outsider standpoint, that's actually how I track the progress of these RFCs is I, I go to, yeah. I go to the Babel presets and I see, Oh, you know, like uh, like class properties, for example, I think, uh, you know, in the last six months moved from uh, stage one to stage two. And that was a thing mm-hmm. that for me, I was like, you know, at least able to keep up on it a little bit and see, you know, that things were progressing and, and that someday, you know, this is going to be in stage three. I guess stage three is the one where it's yeah. like all, all it's like a recommendation, right? All, all browsers should do this type thing. Um. Yeah, I feel like I could talk about this for a long time. Um, so first point is that, yeah, I think Babel, I feel like that is half of its role. Uh, and well, my, in my vision is like most developers think of it as just a way to use what is JavaScript for older mm-hmm. browsers. But I think the other half of the role is to figure out what will be in JavaScript mm-hmm. later. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and maybe that's just as important. Maybe it's more important, depending on, obviously, if you don't support old browsers, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. But um, I think there's definitely something there and thinking about like, how does that, like, how can we improve that relationship um, more mm-hmm. instead of just like, because before we would just like wait for the proposals and we implement something. It just felt like we have all this burden of work, but no one's actually like helping mm-hmm. us, you know, or like, or if I feel this pressure from the community or somebody, anyone, 
um, or internally where it's like, oh, there's a proposal. We didn't implement it yet. And then it's like, do I have, am I responsible for doing this? And it's like, are we blocking like the future of the language and all that mm-hmm. stuff just because I don't have enough time to do it? And it's like, why aren't like, either we get the community to do it or the committee's members to do it or they, we pay someone to do it. It's like, why we, we took two years to like even get something for decorators. It's like, it's hard to, to think about all that when you're just a volunteer, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, and not just volunteer, like I can be paid full time to do this and it's still not going to be enough, mm-hmm. right? And it's like, yeah, it's, it's yeah, you, you, you um, spoke the, re, the whole reason I'm going down this route is because you spoke about this actually last year at React Rally, uh, which I thought you, mm-hmm. you gave an excellent talk. You spoke a little bit about how Babel helps to sort of bridge the gap between developers and, and TC39. So I know you've done sort of a lot of thinking about this. And um, I guess the the part that for me feels kind of enabling, like I, I feel like I could go out and and write a mm-hmm. Babel transform or a plugin or something. Mm-hmm. And that might be a path towards, you know, at least sharing the idea, right? At least least saying, hey, check out this cool thing that I added. And all you got to do is just boop, drop this little plugin into your Babel pipeline. And everybody's using it nowadays. So it's no big deal uh, because everybody's got a compile step. And, and, And at least then we can actually start to try it out, right? That's a huge step forward from where we were in the past where, you know, if, if previously, if I wanted to try an experiment, I mean, what would I have done, you know, that in, yeah. introduce a, a build into your, into your pipeline when you didn't really have one, you know, there was no, I guess, standard way, I guess, to share, you know, a, a step, a, a com- compilation step. And now that, now that we have one, which is Babel. So that's definitely something I want, I'm think I'm trying to think about more. And I think that's something TC39 is interested in mm-hmm. too. And there's, there, the problem is, um, well, there's a balance that needs to be had sure. too, where, I think um, there are a lot of people, you know, most probably most on the committee or uh, people that are scared of like what's going to happen if it doesn't get in. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that, that's a valid concern. Um, you know, what, how do we deal with that? And I don't think we want to just like, you know, in a negative sense, open the Pandora's box where it's like, oh, anyone can make whatever they mm-hmm. want. And then, and then you go on GitHub and there's like crazy syntax everywhere. And like, you don't even know how to contribute to co- projects because it's like, everyone's using something their own like Mm -hmm. syntax um and so we do want some kind of boundary on that but i don't want to like prevent someone from exploring their idea Mm -hmm. i definitely want i would i don't think anyone would be opposed to that but it's like how do we allow someone the the opportunity to explore that and share it with people so that people can test it well i mean uh but then also well i was just gonna say i mean i think that's kind of what the presets are for right is when you you have a preset and then you say look this is you know, which, which the vast majority of developers are just going to stick to the presets. You know, they're not going to drop any sort of yeah. uh, experimental thing in there. I just think, you know, that, that at least I've got the ability now to, to add, you know, right. I mean, just, just five or six years ago, I was at, you know, I was working at Twitter and our, our compilation step was mm-hmm. literally cat. It was just like cat all of our JavaScript files into the same <laughs> file and like, good luck with, you know, whatever, like, Everything was global, you know. So, so at least at least we've sort of advanced beyond that point, and we now have you know a structure. There's right. a, there's an AST. There's you know plugins and and uh, you know things like that. Yeah, I mean, yeah. there's even a handbook on how to write your Babel mm-hmm. plugins, which I think goes a long way towards. Okay. Uh, I mean, that helped me last yeah. year to and write then, my first. Yeah, my first one. Mm-hmm. And I, I totally would want to yeah improve on that. Um, and I think, so it's funny because you mentioned stage presets and that's actually something that 
is kind of some like some people actually want to remove them mm-hmm. or think it's better to remove mm-hmm. them. And the concern there is that, um, well, first of all, most people don't really understand what the difference is between the numbers. And maybe it's just arbitrary, like, oh, zero, I probably shouldn't use it, like all that mm-hmm. stuff. And then there's also just that technically, you know, how do we like, I'm thinking about how do we version these things? Mm-hmm. Like all of these things are technically unstable experimental anyway, until they're stage four technically. Mm-hmm. And so if we version them as like major, like if we do it at 1.0 and above, then that means every time there's a proposal change, we got to make a new major bump, major version mm-hmm. bump. Or do we do like 0.x or do I like do it by time? It's like, it's just so hard to figure out yeah. what the right thing to do there is. And so some people think it's better where you just, why do you even have stage presets at all? Because you have to look it up anyway. So you might as well just ask people to do it like each one individually. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't, yeah. it's hard. Yeah, it is hard. It is hard. I, I, I can, I can definitely see that point of view. Let's uh, move on just a little bit. Sorry to be kind of like a rough break there, but um, you did mention TypeScript a little while ago. So I feel like, yep. I feel like Babel and TypeScript, I feel like are kind of, I don't know, not really competitors, but, but they kind of are. I mean, didn't, it, didn't mm-hmm. TypeScript recently yeah. get a plugin for Babel? So you can use TypeScript mm-hmm. with Babel. Yeah. Well, I mean, if we do that, then it's not really a competitor, right? Yeah. It's, it's, like, it's yeah. They, um, well, augmenting. that's what I said is I, before I thought they were competitors and then all of a sudden I was like, oh, I guess you can use TypeScript with a Babel project. So I misunderstood. Yeah. So let's see. So um, in some sense, they kind of do the same thing. And in some sense, TypeScript does more than Babel in that it adds, it's adding the type checking. But I think they have different roles. Um, ultimately, TypeScript is trying to be a, what's it called, a superset of JavaScript where they add type checking to JavaScript itself. But they also have their own, some small differences, um, but they're trying to like uh, keep track of the standard. Mm-hmm. And they only implement things that are stage three. Um, but like there's no role, there, like there's no tool that is purposely implementing things that might never make it to JavaScript except Babel. And I think why would anyone want to spend waste their you could say waste your time doing that because maybe all of it will go away, right? And so I think Babel is important in that people are willing to spend the time to figure out if it's good enough to go into the language or to refine it so that it becomes better um, through this tool. And I think um, that's why it makes sense for people to to work together to make that happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what happened was um, there's a lot of people that. They want either they already used type, well, I'm assuming, yeah, they probably use Babel and they want to use TypeScript. And so we already supported Flow um, because, you know, Facebook. So they had Flow and they had Babel. So they wanted a mm-hmm. way to mm-hmm. use both. And so I was like, well, why am I'm okay with adding a TypeScript mm-hmm. thing if just for compatibility. So what happens if TypeScript implements something that is not basically that is not compatible with? A, a direction that future JavaScript takes, right? Yeah. Do they have to remove it from the language or what? Um, are you talking about well, for Babel? Well, if their um, goal is to be a superset, right. right? Then that... Uh, yeah, yeah. So, so I think, uh, I don't know what, like I don't have a lot of history yeah. on TypeScript itself, but I know before they did implement a lot of things early or before they were in the spec. And I think recently they've stopped mm-hmm. doing that as mm-hmm. much. So it's definitely not like... I don't think that's going to happen mm-hmm. anytime mm-hmm. soon. Um, they, they do want to track the language and, and that's why they're on TC39 because they're providing mm-hmm. feedback. I mean, they do have things that aren't in the language yet. And it's like, there's like enums and like these 
special import equals export equals syntax namespaces a few a few things um but most of it is uh the mm -hmm. same but yeah well so yeah. let me let me ask you about have you have you uh i assume you've done some some react Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, some. Well, mostly. I mean, this yeah. is the, this yeah. is the yeah. React yeah. podcast, Henry. <laughs> right. Right. So uh, let me let me just ask you kind of a React specific question, which is, how do you think Babel relates to React specifically? Because React, I feel like there was a weird time where, um, you know, React when it first came out, they were using like that JS transform thing, uh, yeah, the J yeah. JSX transform transformer, whatever, mm -hmm. and then. And I, I actually remember talking to Chris Shadow uh, back in the early days. I was like, mm -hmm. why don't you guys just use this six to five thing? Or, or I think they might have recently, why, why don't you guys just use Babel? He's like, yes, we want to. So, so they recently just threw all of their weight behind Babel. How much, I guess, does that, I guess, does, does the future direction of React now influence Babel at all? Or is it the other way around? Um. I wasn't around during that time, but I, yeah, I know that, that Amjad and a bunch of other people, probably Christopher, mm -hmm. were pushing that because they didn't want to maintain yeah. it anymore if the community was going to move yeah. to Babel. Um, and I don't, we don't, I mean, I don't do like calls with mm -hmm. like the Rack mm -hmm. team or anything like that. Um, so I, I kind of hear about it after. Mm -hmm. Also, but there was one feature in, in particular, the, uh, like the JSX spread thing where you can mm -hmm. like spread all of your props to a component right. spread in JSX. And I remember at the time that was introduced, I like hadn't even seen it before. And apparently that was something that they got from, you know, the object spread uh, syntax, yeah. which I thought was cool. I was like, oh, this is something that, you know, that they're taking essentially from the future of JavaScript, the future, you know, which is there was a, there was probably just a Babel transform for it at the time. I'm not sure exactly, but it definitely wasn't, uh, you know, as part of the standard yet. And that's something that they're sort of mm -hmm. taking and bringing back into their own project. You know, something that was, you know, made it into React that was influenced by, you know, the future of JavaScript, which again was only enabled by, you know, the only reason we we had knew that something like that was coming down the pipe or even had the ability to experiment with it is because we were all using a a compilation step anyway on our code, uh, and and we had the you know the ability to drop in this this transform for the object spread syntax. So I thought that was that was just kind of one small uh, you know example of how uh, you know Babel itself or maybe you know Babel Babel definitely played a role in sort of influencing an implementation of. React. One of the other things that I've mm -hmm. heard of is possibly, you know, Babel lets uh, the implementers of React do some kind of interesting things. So I've, I haven't actually played with, but I've heard of, um, I think it's a Babel transform that will take out some of your sort of inlined JSX expressions and will will actually mm -hmm. take them out of your render function and kind of put them, and maybe Dominic is a better person to ask about this, but it will sort of put them um, so that they are defined uh, statically once outside of mm -hmm. your render function. And then it will just use right. references to those things. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. Um, so there's, it might not be this, but there's two other things. There's a, there's a Babel plugin called like inline React something and uh, elements and there's also a hoisting mm. thing where it can hoist static uh, like JSX like if it was just like a div with like mm -hmm. text in it then we can move that outside of mm -hmm. the function because you know it's static 
Um, I think the thing you're talking about, because you're talking about Dominic, um, he, uh, they're working on prepack, yes. um, which is a separate thing, which optimizes okay. your code. Um, and he, he's been working on like specific React or a better version of that, basically. Yeah, yeah that's uh, that. When I hear about stuff like that, I'm kind of blows my mind. Like, oh, so the, uh, I mean, cause that, it feels like that's essentially what, and I don't know what your familiarity is with some of the other, uh, templating engines like, like Ember, for example, or Glimmer, but it feels mm-hmm. kind of like some of the stuff that they've done right with Glimmer in, in that, right. you know, we've got, these are the static versions of our template. These are the dynamic versions of our template. You know, the static versions mm-hmm. never change. It feels kind of like, oh, you know, we can do that in, in JavaScript with this Babel plugin. Yeah. Which, yeah, yeah, which yeah. is really cool because um, I that's like I, I I for one I I used to work a long time ago on a project called Mustache JS. Um, I basically yeah. like I basically rewrote it when I, during my time at Twitter and I gave it a proper you know AST and a parser and a tokenizer and all that stuff and that's where I kind of mm. got my I've kind of cut my teeth on like parsing and and interpreters with yeah. that project. <laughs> but after I after I did that and I came to React, I was like, oh good, this is just JavaScript. Like I won't have to ever use like a templating engine ever again. And then the templating people came back mm. and told me, they're like, oh, but we've got templates that are super fast because we've got these static pieces. And, right. and I was like, oh man, I wonder if we could do that in just JavaScript. So anyway, I was really excited to see that <laughs> somebody was working on that and thinking about it, at least in 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 React land, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's definitely a monumental yeah. effort for sure because it's going to be way more complicated than yeah, yeah, templates, yeah. right? Yeah. So, anyway, sorry. Part of, part of that, I guess, um, was just a ramble. Oh yeah, 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 for sure. But yeah, real quick though, like prepack is also built on. It's not. It's built on top of Babel. It's Excellent. not a plugin or anything, but it uses like the underlying Babel libraries. Excellent. So yeah, that's. Yeah. I definitely want to have uh, an episode. I've already talked to Dominic about it. He's just. I mean, he's super busy mm-hmm. with it, but. But anyway, so there's there there's there are a couple of projects that are built on top of Babel that are that are kind of exciting. There's also um, the Babel minifier, which is ba- ba- Babili, mm-hmm. right? Yep. Or ba- Babili? Well, no, I know. Well, so is that an I old think, name? Um, Did I just say an old name? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I I totally changed it because uh, everyone was complaining and I hated it too. So I, I changed stuff it. Is yeah. hard. So it's just Babel, Babel okay, minifier Babel now. Minify. So you worked on Babel minifier? Was that? Yeah. Uh, t- can you um, can you tell us a little bit about that? Was that pretty cool? Yeah. Um, so I, I mean, I helped launch it. I, I don't work on it anymore mm-hmm. per se. I just work on mm-hmm. Babel in general, like yep. the whole yep. project. Um, we have um, two people that are maintaining it now, uh, Bupathi and Vignesh, and they, they're in uh, um, Germany. Um, but uh, they, it's funny, because, well, to start, um, it was Amjad um, that was working on it and Sebastian too. And they both had the idea of making a minifier mm-hmm. with Babel because it's like, oh, they already they already like compile stuff, so mm-hmm. what's the difference, right? Um, and so they were working on that, and then we um, spent a long time on the name. <laughs> and I think it's funny because at first we were like, oh, we should make it different so that it becomes its own project. But then now I'm like, why would I like? It, it makes sense to use the Babel name. Mm-hmm. There's and and people like we picked a name that didn't make any sense because it like people can't remember Absolutely. how you spell it and all that stuff. So, and uh, what happened was like Amjad and um, Kangax, they both um, stopped working on Babel. And then I think I was just like, okay, let's just change it. <laughs> oh, so they turned, <laughs> That's they the only turned reason their why. heads for a second and you swapped it. Hey. Well, I mean, they both went on to I do can... other things, right? So, you know, Amjad's doing awesome work. I'm cool on with Rappel that. I'm, I'm cool with yeah. that. That's fine. 
Yeah, I'm so, sure they yeah, yeah, yeah. too. <laughs> so tell me, tell me uh, real quick, what would you say, like, so, you know, Uglify is a thing that's been out there for a long, long mm-hmm. time. Yep. Um, and, mm-hmm. and now Babel Minify. And I've talked to other people who are like, well, you know, Babel Minify is able to better, better minify the code because it can understand things at the AST level, which has never really made sense to me because I'm like, I'm sure Uglify probably mm. has an AST and... You know, so, no, yeah, so like, it does. Um, could you help me maybe understand a little bit more kind of the need for, yeah. or how, how I guess Babel helps mm-hmm. you to build a, a, a better minifier? Yeah. So, well, first I wouldn't say that like, oh, just because there's a Babel minifier, you don't like, yeah. you don't have to use it. Um, it's definitely, it's, an option, it's newer. Right? So yeah. like, it, it's, uh, like if you're using Uglify and it works, yeah. then you should use Uglify because it's, it's more, it's more stable in the sense that mm-hmm. there's more users, but, um, it's still Babel Minify is built on Babel. And so we get to use whatever infrastructure mm-hmm. we had before. Um, and so, yes, Uglify has its own, like, it, it works the same way. It's a, it's a, has a parser and there's a, a way to change an AST. Um, I think it has its own format or you can use mm-hmm. Acorn. I'm not sure. But it's a lot of it is like everything is, mm-hmm. they did their own thing, right? And so... The problem is in the long run, um, anytime you make a new syntax, you got to implement mm-hmm. that new syntax yeah. in their parser. And obviously we had the same problem because you know we have our own parser, which that's its own discussion. But we already have to implement, like the whole point of Babel is how we implement syntax early. So we don't have to like go mm-hmm. out of our way to do it. Mm-hmm. We're going to do it anyway. So we get the parser part for free mm-hmm. for the minifier, right? Um, whenever our parser updates, then the minifier can automatically yeah. read yeah. that syntax, mm-hmm. which is great. Um, so that's really the reason, right? It's like the the thing, the idea of Babel as a platform is that because we already deal with syntax, everything else could mm-hmm. be built on top of it, whether it's a minifier or or a mm-hmm. linter or whatever it is. Like the syntax part leads to mm-hmm. like all and these. If somebody other introduces a new kind of syntax or a new token, then it gets a new name, and your existing tools that operate on the tree without that token, like they just ignore it, right? They don't care. Mm-hmm. Um, that's cool, yeah. right? And, and that's where it's like. Like how much do we think about the ecosystem and like when there's a new, like I think about like workflow where it's like once a new syntax is introduced, how does that literally affect the whole ecosystem and what can we do to like make sure everyone's on the same path? And that's, I mean, that's like crazy amount of work, but like how do we like let people think about that and improve it so that it's easier to transition or transition off if, you know, a certain syntax is removed or something like that. Awesome. Well, hey, we we should probably wrap it up, but I just I really wanted to give you a chance to kind of drive it home. I think one of the one of the things that you've been stressing a lot lately in your talks at you know JS Conf EU, React Rally, uh, TC thirty nine, mm-hmm. um, you know you've been talking a lot about like how how vital uh, Babel is to the JavaScript community, and that's the main. Uh, reason why I, w- I wanted to get you so bad on this podcast, which is of course specific to React, is because React is JavaScript. So we are members of this community. Babel is uh, a, a huge part of this community and needs our support. Um, could you could you talk a little bit about mm-hmm. m- more about you know maybe how people can help support you, help support the Babel project, or or why you feel so strongly about it? Yeah. Um- the ways you can support us, um, I guess this is pretty straightforward. Um, yeah, I left my job two weeks ago um, and started a Patreon the next day. And um, so, yeah, you can go to that to support me. It's patreon.com slash Henry Zoo, my name. Um, and if you want to, if you don't want to support me directly, 
Um, then you can also support our open collective, which is just opencollective.com slash Babel. And that way you can help fund either me to work on improving Babel, the ecosystem, because I'm trying to focus more on like maintaining the project, not just like code itself, but like how do we get more people and like thinking about these kinds of things. And then like, it's not just me. Obviously, I don't want to be the only person working on this project. I want to get more people involved. And we already have a lot of people that are either maintainers or core members. And I think that we should fund them too to see if they can get fully funded if mm -hmm. they want to do that. And then that's just like from the money point of view. Um, and then there's also like actually contributing to the project yourself or your company. Um, yeah, I'm definitely willing, especially I have time now, I'm willing to you know either mentor people or I could do workshops uh, to explain how it works or how you can contribute. And you don't even have to contribute to the literal like source code in Babel repo, but like whether it's like making your own plugins or videos or like the stuff that like maybe mm -hmm. like Kent's doing, um, like teaching people like educational stuff or or even just teaching people about JavaScript. I feel like I'm not, I mean I don't care if it's Babel itself. It's just like people understanding how JavaScript works, the the language or the process of the language. I think mm -hmm. improves everything, right? So I yeah, I'm definitely not even tied to Babel per se. Like. I think one of the reasons why I made the Patreon is to say that like, even though I'm fully committed to working on Babel, it's not, that's not all I'm trying to do. It's like, I'm trying to improve JavaScript as a whole. And even in a, maybe in a greater sense, I want to improve mm -hmm. open source as a whole. Like how do we think about mm -hmm. it as a community and the way we do it now, just, I don't mm -hmm. know. I, I think it well, can Well, and it's important too, to spread that load because, you know, you're not going to work on it forever. You know, you're going to, you're, you're going to move on. You're going to do other things exactly. with your life. Eventually there's, there's stages of life. And, mm -hmm. and so when, you know, when things, when, when it, when that time does come, it's important to have other people who have an understanding of how things work, who can step in and, and, and keep things going. So, right. All right. Yeah. Henry Zhu, thank yeah. you so much uh, for coming on to the podcast. Um, really appreciate everything that you do for the JavaScript community and appreciate you taking the time out of your day to, to be with me and, and with the listeners here on the podcast. All right. Thank you for tuning into this episode of the React Podcast hosted by Michael Jackson. Michael runs the ever awesome React Training. Check that out at reacttraining.com. And of course, bandwidth for changelaw.com is provided by Fastly. Learn more at fastly.com. Air monitoring is provided by Rollbar. Check them out at rollbar.com. And we're hosted on Linode cloud servers. Head to linode.com slash changelog. Check them out and support this show. Thank you for tuning in and we'll see you next week.